I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Welcome to the Broken Book Podcast. We're your hosts, Amanda and Sam. And we're ready again this week to appreciate, dissect, criticize, defend, and generally nerd out about the Bible. Hey all, this Minnesota is just going to be me, Amanda. I've talked before on the podcast about how three years ago I started deconstructing my Christian faith. It's taken a long time for me to walk through the loss and the grief that came with that because it was a big change for me and... The bigger the change, the bigger the loss. But I have been healing, and I'm starting to get to this exciting place where I have mostly finished deconstructing and am focused on reconstructing my faith, my way of making meaning of my life and having hope. I'm finding that I finally have enough distance from the Christian faith that I had before to start reclaiming parts of it. I'm starting to be able to really appreciate some beautiful things about it and even see a continuity between my faith as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, and my faith today. And I want to share one strand of this beautiful continuity that I've discovered recently. When I was six years old, my dad was born again, and he started taking me and my brother to this Pentecostal church. And that's where I accepted. Jesus as my Lord and Savior, a big part of that church was the Holy Spirit. That was super central to the theology of worship there as a Pentecostal church. And I have this memory of this woman teaching me about the Holy Spirit there. She told me that the Holy Spirit is here because we're all gathered here together to worship God. She told me that I could feel the Holy Spirit. Whatever feeling it was that I had inside of me, that was the Holy Spirit. At the time, it was a little bit confusing because the feeling that I had inside of me as she was sharing this with me was this really serious and intense feeling, and it sort of frightened me. But that teaching planted a seed of mysticism in me. I believed that I could sense God. And I will I will never forget <laughs> that teaching that this woman gave to me. And I pondered it over the years. I always came back to this memory and I wondered what did it mean that the presence of God frightened me? <laughs> was there something wrong with me or was there something wrong with God? Had it maybe picked out the wrong feeling and Actually, it was a different feeling than the one that I remembered that was actually indicated the presence of God. But as I continued pondering these words and my feelings over the years, the feeling became less frightening and more sacred. Um, I think it had just been too intense for me as a child. But as I became a teenager, I started to revel in this feeling. And I loved going to worship services, I loved singing and clapping and swaying and praying, and I sought it out myself daily as I was doing my personal devotions, reading the Bible, journaling. 
And I loved being close to God and feeling the presence of God. In middle school, my dad had open heart surgery. I remember my family going to church the week before my dad's open heart surgery and being prayed over. I knew that my dad would probably be fine. My parents had told me my dad was really young and healthy and would be okay through this operation. But it was the first time that I had really confronted my dad's mortality, and I was a sobbing mess. I still remember, and my high school friends still tease me, about how after this this prayer, we went downstairs and there was a ministry fair that day at my church. And my mom was in charge of the children's ministry booth, and there were balloons, and she gave me this helium balloon so that I could, you know, do the high, funny voice thing. And I was so upset that I was not thinking. And I took a breath from the helium balloon, and then I took another breath from the helium balloon, and then I took another breath from the helium balloon without breathing normal air in between, and I passed out and fell over onto the floor and hit my head. Not thinking, because I was just real upset. But at that time, my dad, who was the one who was going to have the open heart surgery, was super calm. And I really wished that I could have faith like my dad that would make me calm in a situation like that. My senior year of high school, I was doing my calculus homework, eating the last piece of pie from Thanksgiving, and I started having this growing stomach pain. And overnight, it became the worst pain that I've ever felt in my life. But all night, my parents sat with me and were reading the Psalms to me. And the next day, went to the emergency room. And it was such a long day. We were wondering all day what was so terribly wrong with me that I was experiencing this awful pain. And the doctors were doing all these tests, and it just took forever. It took all day for them to figure out what was going on. And yet... I was completely at peace with whatever happened. I was finally living out my faith the same way that my dad had lived out his faith. I wasn't afraid because I felt God's presence with me. And even if I died or even if the problem turned out to be this like horrible thing that was complicated and I had to stay in the hospital for a long time or whatever, I knew that God would be with me and God would help me to endure whatever it was and i i wanted to endure all of it with patience and with grace and with kindness toward others to show what god had done for me and how much it meant to me that god was with me so eventually the doctors discovered that my appendix had burst that led to appendectomy 12 days of recovery in the hospital i was super sick but between this newfound peace and my family's love and devotion and the support of my church and my friends, which was really awesome, I felt super, super loved. I was pretty much on a spiritual high for most of that time. People who know me know that when I talk about my appendicitis, I think of it as like one of the most positive things that has happened to me in my life. The church that I grew up in told stories about Christian martyrs who suffered and even died for their faith, and also told stories about 
about everyday sorts of tragedies striking normal people. Before my appendicitis, when I heard these stories, I would wonder about what would happen if I was facing that sort of situation. Would I have the strength to respond to that situation with courage and love, or would I just be freaked out and make things worse? But my episode with appendicitis changed that for me. After that, I just believed that whatever happened, God would give me the ability to handle it graciously. Before my appendicitis, I would not have thought that I would have been able to deal with it the way that I was able to deal with it. And so my logic was, you know, God apparently has my back. Whatever happens, I will have the strength at the time to deal with it. Seven years after my appendectomy, I was in the middle of my MDiv program at Calvin Theological Seminary, and that was when my faith as I had known it was starting to really fall apart. One of the most painful parts of losing my conception of God that I'd had was losing this friend who had given me the sense of peace that carried through me through my appendicitis and had carried me through every other difficult part of my life since then. It was basically a breakup. And one of the biggest questions on my mind was, if God is not real, who can I lean on? Who can I trust completely? Who is always going to be with me in the future? How can you replace a companion who is as close to you as your own breath? And as I was sitting in my favorite nook in the seminary chapel, I had this amazing revelation. If God, as I had conceived of God, didn't exist, and therefore wouldn't be with me in the future, then that God had also never been with me in the past. Which meant that whatever it was in the past that had given me that sense of peace and courage, possibly my own brain, who knows what it was, that wasn't going to change. Whatever it was that had given me peace and courage in the past was still with me, and it was still going to be with me in the future. So even though my conception of God might change, that inner strength and love that I had attributed to God would always be with me. A lot of the stories that I hear of people walking away from Christianity involve a sense of God abandoning them. People will walk away from God because they felt like God had already abandoned them. And for, for me, I, I went through this like process of deconstructing my faith. And even having come through that process, as I'm sitting here now with you, I can feel God's presence with me. Uh, whatever it was that I considered to be God's presence before, that feeling, like I can still feel that feeling. I don't. I never felt abandoned by God, even though I was deconstructing God. It's amazing to me how that conversation when I was six has stuck with me through my entire life. This January, I was at my seminary, Meadville Lombard, and I was taking the class Religious Education for a Changing World, which is with Professor Tandy Rogers. And I was really intrigued to hear this ancestors language used again and again in class. Tandy talked about learning about our ancestors, both our blood relatives, but also people who did what we want to do 
in the past, you know, people whose work we are carrying on in some way are our ancestors. She talked about bringing our ancestors with us into different spaces and situations. And I hadn't really thought that much before about how the concept of ancestors could fit within my own theological framework. I'm a tentative materialist. I'm very skeptical about consciousness after death. And yet, her talking about ancestors really intrigued me. One of our guest speakers for that course was Reverend Elizabeth Wynne, and she was talking about an experience in which she had been practicing nonviolent civil disobedience, and she was able to stay calm while she was being arrested and while she was sitting in jail. And she was talking about how she had strengthened her spiritual muscles before that point that had enabled her to stay calm. So, you know, she had been involved in many other nonviolent actions. She had run jail support. So she had, she had done these things to sort of build up to the point where she was comfortable with being arrested and being in jail. And this April, I had actually risked arrest and been arrested several times with the group Democracy Spring in D.C. And her story made me wonder what had strengthened my spiritual muscles for risking arrest, because I had found that I was really okay with it, and yet I haven't really done a lot of activism before. And I discovered that the Christian martyrs are some of my ancestors. <laughs> I may not hold all of the convictions that they suffered to defend, but I, I bring them with me wherever I go, and I'm, I'm part of this family of people who are willing to suffer to uphold what they believe to be true, and who find that inner strength of love that carries them through.